All right. All right. He's Larry Mallory. I'm Scott Farber. Larry, we don't often talk about politics. You know, you know, we try to stay away from that a little bit. Yeah. But I, but I had a thought that I'd like to, to, to throw out at you. Football, sports in general, is a, is, a, is a close unit. I think it brings people together, the fans in the stands and everything. We'll, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about football in general since you played in the NFL. You've got over 50 guys on a football team, coaches. Everybody is from all walks of life, all different political views, yet you guys all always lay down the line for each other you know, to try to win. It's really a team, and, and players get very, very close and everything. What do the coaches and players talk about to keep that going when we have all this division going on in the outside world as soon as you leave that football stadium? Well, I, I think you actually hit the nail squarely on the head when you use the term team. Because that's the coaches, that's the coaches and the owner's objective is to, to create a very cohesive team of, of men that complements each other from a skill set standpoint, that doesn't allow their personal beliefs to impact the team beliefs, and to make sure that there's a locker room whereby both the injured, the non-injured, the, the, the big, the small, everybody can come together and, and you know, be on one platform. So the, the, the key word is team. Right, right. So that's been kind of drummed into everybody's head their whole life, really. You know, because everything's is. always team related. You're exactly right, Scott. From junior high sport, every every from sports in general, right. be it baseball, be it whatever, the, the coaches for young people, the coaches for middle-aged people, the coaches for grown people are all interested in becoming one unit, one unit that operates effectively, that that achieves the types of goals that have been planned for, you know. So that's the objective. And, and honestly, when you look at the losing side of things, that's where you analyze. You analyze how effective were you in carrying out our team plan of victory? Because each, each game, no matter what the game is, the team is trying to win. You know, Larry, when you and I go back out speaking again uh, at events, I think we need to bring in that unity. You know, I, I think ex-players really need to get out there and promote that a little bit because like it leads me into my next point. There's 80,000, 100,000 people in the stadiums at these football games nowadays, and you see fans hugging each other, high-fiving each other, you know, when their team is winning, and you know they're from all different walks of life. Yeah. And politics is so volatile today. You know they're all on different political views. That's but true. yet during that game, they're hugging. That's you know, true. They're hugging. hugging that. Hey, and they're only hugging those that have the same colors on that they have. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I never thought of that, but that, that is true. Yeah. But, there's, there's but the still, enemy uh, is not each other. Their enemy is the, the other fans with, with the wrong colors on. And it's well, only because of the teams, you know, it's not because of anything else. It's just the game. That, that's a good point. The, the, I think the key word, though, in that explanation is enemy. Right, right. They don't see them as enemies. They see them as competitors. Right, right. You know, but yeah, they don't really point. see them as enemies. 
Right. And and so, you know, you can have on your color in the parking lot under your tent, and I can have my color in the parking lot, drinking my beer and having me some hot dogs. Yeah. But all in all, it, it's, you know, it's, it's more of a, a coming together. Sports right. brings people together than more than anything else. Yeah. And when you go to these big stadiums, you know, I don't live far from Cowboy Stadium. Right. When you go to these stadiums and you ride through doing game time, you actually see both sides communicating. Right. You know, you, you, you see uh, a comfort level between the two that just talks more about the game than about the priorities, you know. Well, you know, you know, in baseball, you really get to see more of the fan interaction. Uh, they're also so close to the field. But I know at Wrigley Field, you know, I've been to a million Cub Cardinal games growing up, and I've been on the L, and you're either in a Cub shirt or a Cardinal shirt, you know, on that day. And everybody, they're talking to each other. They're walking into the stadium. They're sitting next to each other. Whatever team is winning, that fan is smiling, and the losing fan, you know, fan is not so happy. But they're all together, and they're all happy together. You know, it's yeah. kind of a neat, neat little thing to see how fans can, you know, still stick together even though they're on different sides. You just explained that sports is a unifier and not a divider. No, it is, and I think and I think former players need to be out there talking about that. I think it's yeah. important in today's world to possibly go to some schools and and do some speeches on that. Yeah. All right. Before we started, we were mumbling a little bit about the Cowboys. You know, <laughs> so let, let let's bring it up. They had no offense against Tampa Bay. Uh, Dak gets hurt. Cooper Rush. Comes in. I think he played one game last year where he started, and he had a big game that game too. Yeah. So against Cincinnati, he looked great in the first half. The Cowboys win. So does Cooper demand the same salary as Dak? <laughs> well, you know uh, that's already been negotiated, and Cooper has to deal with whatever he has this year. <laughs> Next year, you know, uh, you know, Cooper's been around a little while too, though. I think I'm not. I yeah. think he's been yeah. with some other teams. Um, he, I think he did a really fantastic job coming in and, and, and playing this past week, but Dak Prescott is, you know, he's the star. He's the one that's making the money. And right now he's the one in the training room. So why did the, uh, Cowboys look so good on offense on week two with the backup? You felt they looked good in the first half. I thought they looked pretty good. I don't think that they're. I don't think that they're where they want to be yet. Well, the, the, the only team in the NFL is where they want to be is in Buffalo. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But I'm I'm still concerned about uh, the Cowboys' preparation. I think that I think on D. I think their defense seems to me to be developing stronger, uni more unified than the offense right now. And obviously, Dak Prescott being out, your quarterback plays such an important role, you know, in, in team unification and offense unification. So we'll see how Cooper Rush does, but he sure did get off to a good start. Now, you know, we talked about the Bills. You know, they look unbelievable this year at 2-0. and They look, I mean, they're amazing looking right now. But, you know, there's also been some amazing comebacks this year so far. In the two weeks, you know, down by 20 points doesn't mean much anymore when there's five minutes left on the clock, it seems like. Right. What's, what's your assessment so far through the NFL? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people were questioning, 
you know, how the game would look, the speed of the game, how it would look coming after a pandemic. You know, we all had such a challenge, uh, especially in America with the freedoms, you know, that we have. Right. And so um, pe people were very interested in seeing how the NFL really looked coming out of this. I'm really, um, I'm, I'm giving them a pat on the back. I think that the, that I don't know how the training camps went, but the speed of the game is still there. Uh, the effectiveness of the game is still there. They look like that, you know, there's been a lot of work with the offense so that the offense is coordinated and, you know, operates well. Uh, they the, the, the whole league looks a lot better than a lot of people thought they would look coming after a pandemic. Is there anybody right now, I know we've only played two games, is there anybody that could stop Buffalo right now today? We will change our minds in two weeks and then two weeks after that. But right now today, can somebody stop off, uh, stop Buffalo? Without a doubt, I think so. I don't think there's going to be any any. I think what Miami was the only team was undefeated. Now you know. Now now Scott is filling us in on these teams. I think the Eagles are going to play real well this year. They're not going to go undefeated. But what do you what do you think? I don't think anyone is going to go undefeated. I mean, go undefeated anymore. Number one, because of injuries. If you're not, a lot of the coaches are saying, uh, especially nowadays, if you're not injured, you're not hitting. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so I don't think there's going to be any undefeated teams, but I, I think that the, the, I think with Tampa Bay having Brady, I think that's a very positive, you know, perspective for them. It, it's about leadership and staying in shape right now. Right. If you get one of your key players injured, that'll have an effect on on your overall offense. Well, you know, in every sport, when you get to the end of the year, it's about injuries. You know, yeah. playoff time, everybody's playing hurt. Well, in football especially. Exactly. Your body is so beat up. And, uh, um, and then sometimes I always wonder, are we getting to see the true better team because they're so beat up, they might not be able to be who they really are. But then again, everybody, it's the same equal playing field. You all got to play those 17 games and then go to the playoffs, and that's why you fight so hard to get those buys because that, that one game buy is a big deal at the end of the year. Well, and, and I also think that it's a good, you know, what you just said, and it, it, it gives us a good opportunity of just acknowledging the importance of the, the medical staff, the trainers uh, on a team. They have to keep you on the field. Right. And, and, and if you're not, I mean, th this is interesting, Scott. I'm glad you brought this up. If you're not hitting, you're not going to get injured, right? But if you're not injured, th then you're not hitting. So <laughs> right. it's, a, it's an interesting combination. And it, and it draws a lot of attention to the trainers. Because even after each practice, you know, you're going to have some kind of pain. You're going to have some kind of something going on. They actually are responsible for keeping you on the field. And they do a hell of a job uh, keeping you out there. You know, when I was a kid, I remember watching Frank Leahy would analyze the Bear games on uh, on the local news on Sunday nights. And he would show film. Mm -hmm. And he would show, I don't even want to bring up the guy's name, but I, I remember who it was and why do that to him or his family now, you know, 130 years later. <laughs> but I remember he would show the film and show you how the guy dogged it on this play because he didn't hit anybody, you know, and. He just kind of rested. 
Yeah. You know, and I don't know if that would be tolerated today <laughs> in, in today's game, you know, or yeah. if they'd be coming trotting off the field after not, you know, participating in a play, let alone multiple plays. All right, let's switch gears for a minute. We have some remarkable things going on in baseball. Aaron Judge um, is in the middle of a season like we've never seen before. You know, we're taping uh, uh, today on a Wednesday. Last night on Tuesday, he hit his 60th home run, uh, joining Babe Ruth and Roger Maris as the only Yankees ever to hit a home run. If he passes Maris, he'll have the American League record. I know Sosa and McGuire and Bonds uh, hit more right now in the National League. Um, but his year is unbelievable. 60 home runs, 128 RBIs. He's, you know, his average might have fallen a little bit yesterday because uh, he, he uh, was like one for four. So he was batting at 316. He's a little bit under that right now. And he's also scored 123 runs. Is he a shoe-in for the MVP? Is it even a contest? Well, you know, that's a great question because I, I'm not kept up with baseball as much as I should. But those, those types of numbers that you just described, um, I've not heard any other player in, in that area, at least. I mean, he's, he's, Aaron has done a great job this year. Well, it, it's unbelievable. His stats, he's amongst yeah. the leader, or he is the leader in all of these. Yeah. You know, he might be the uh, 13th Triple Crown winner uh, that Major League Baseball has seen. The last time we had a Triple Crown winner was uh, uh, Cabrera of the Tigers in 2012, I believe it was. And that's when you lead the league in home runs, RBIs, and um, uh, batting average. He also leads the league in runs scored. Now I say, is he a shoo-in? Obviously he will be a shoo-in, but I still yeah. like what Shohei Otani's doing. Yeah. You know, there's a guy who's, he's only, you know, only hit 34 home runs, only has 89 RBIs so far, only batting 268, only 83 runs scored. He'll finish with, you know, 35, 36, 37 homers probably. In the middle 90s for RBIs. Um, and what size is he? Pardon me? What size is Otani? He's, I don't know. I'm guessing he's 6'4 or 6'5. Okay, okay. You know, Aaron Judge is 19 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, they say he's like 6'7, I believe, but he looks bigger than that to me. Yeah. You know, because when he walks by guys that are 6'3, you know, they're like kind of at his <laughs> navel, maybe. You know, <laughs> he, he's huge. But Otani, what makes it interesting to me is he's also 13 and eight as a pitcher with a stellar ERA of two, four 43. And, and he has 196 strikeouts. He's only started 25 games this year. So he's not the workhorse, but in 25 starts, he's 13 and eight, 2.43 on an ERA and 196 strikeouts. He's going to have over 200 strikeouts, yeah, you know? Um, and if he, wins you know he might get 15 wins yeah. i mean so he's having a year like we've never seen either i mean you know babe ruth pitched and then he became a player this guy is pitching and playing in the same year yeah you know so i i don't know i think it's uh i think it's remarkable all right let's let's bring scott in real quick here zeke zeke is often uh i don't know where he is he's traveling the world traveling the world so Scott's here alone producing us Scott, are you there? Can you pop in? There he is. All right, Scott, is. we want to do a couple of quick trivia questions for you. All right, hit me with them. 
You yeah, know, my hands are off. Scott, <laughs> Scott and I have been fighting for a week now about players from different eras playing in this era back and forth. And uh, Larry leans a little bit like Scott does. And I think guys back then could play today. Um, and you guys, oh, there's so many reasons, blah, blah, blah. So I, we're not going to even talk about that. I just still say, and I think fans and uh, viewers would agree with me, that if you take the better hitters from today and put them against Gibson and Koufax and then told them to take off all their body armor and their helmets <laughs> like the guys did back then, Let's see how well they would, how well they'd stand in there, because Bob Gibson's going to throw it right at their chin anyway. Anyway, so we won't even get into that. Trivia time, Scott. You, you know, <clears throat> and and the reason I, I can't qualify you yet, Scott, to be this sports phenom is because I see you got to be about ten years old to start remembering <laughs> sports, which puts yeah. you like at two thousand and eight is from when your knowledge base starts. So, you know, Larry and I go back to the 1930s, I think. <laughs> anyway, all right, Scott, trivia time. Only right. current franchise in Major League Baseball never have gone to the World Series. There's only one team that hasn't gone to the World Series. This is what we call dead air. You better, <laughs> you, you better put some uh, side effects oh. in here. You know, special yeah, effects. Yeah, um, something. You got five seconds, baby. Seattle. Seattle is the only team never to have gone from the current franchises, yeah. ever to have gone to the World Series. Teams like Milwaukee have gone, but they haven't won it. Yeah, uh, there were a few of those, but Seattle's the only one that came in the league in 1977. All right, I'm going to have one more for you, taking you away from baseball. Okay. First American to orbit the Earth. Who was it, and what year was it? Um, was it John Glenn? You nailed that one, baby. There you go. There Do you go. remember what year it was? I'm going to guess like 19... You got that part right. <laughs> Very good. We're impressed. So, you know. You won the car. So you disqualified <laughs> yourself from sports. And so, yeah. you know, don't, don't talk to me about the generational players. But, but you really redeemed yourself in history. So that's, that's good. I'm impressed. You know, that, that was good. All Thanks, right, man. Scott. Well, thank you. Larry and I are going to finish up here and then get out of here. Um, uh, Larry, any any predictions for this weekend games? Do you see any upsets coming up? Uh, I don't have any predictions. I think that I think that uh, you know I, I think that the injury list has a big impact on what happens the next week, and I've not really looked at all of the injury list very effectively yet. How how then do you feel teams we, – we know Buffalo right now is playing at a level nobody else is. How far apart are the weak teams compared to Buffalo, though? I mean, because, you know, I always look at it that every player in the NFL was a superstar their whole life. And now we get a little separation in the NFL. Out of the 700 guys or so, some are better than others. 
So we get that separations. But how close together are they? I think talent-wise, they're 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 pretty close together. Uh, I think that that the the combination of rookies and veterans, you know, people veterans that are accustomed to the team philosophy, accustomed to the team effort, versus you know rookies that are coming out of a college environment, but still have has they've they've done the work to be accepted as a pro. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I, I think that that has the the overall impact uh, more than anything else. You know, and 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 like we talked about earlier, Scott, I think that how the locker room operates has a, a an interesting impact on the team. Yeah, and that's that's why a lot of the personal beliefs, a lot of the personal uh, decisions, are left out of the locker room. And what's in that locker room is teammates that are interested in winning together, that are interested in achieving the same goal, which is doing better. So a lot of that is going to depend on the coaches too. Exactly, exactly. You know, you know, type thing. All right, Larry, before we get out of here, I'd be remiss not to mention my Chicago Bears. I saw all these pictures people were putting online of the blown calls by the officials. Uh, and, and, of course, the big one was when Justin Fields uh, – the argument that he get the ball across the goal line, that momentum and adrenaline could have changed because that would have made it a one-score game. Mm-hmm. So you know, you never know what possibly could have happened. But how much influence do you think the officials' impact have on the game? So overall, I mean, because some of those pictures that I saw were blatant misses, but I'm sure you know it wasn't just the Bears. I'm sure in every game there's a call or two that get missed. Yeah. I think I think the the uh, the officials have a interesting a, a great impact on the game, but I'm not sure, and I don't know this for sure, if the referees and the officials are being aligned to the difference in the speed of the game. In other words, guys are bigger and faster, and I, I'm not I don't know if the referees are big or faster, you know, and more attentive, or if we need more referees because. The game is really the game is sped up. Even the offensive linemen are faster than they, you know, were in the past. In the old days, it was about how wide you are. Now it's how wide and fast you are. So right, right. Well, you know, and I was going to give kudos to the referees after I put them down making those mistakes and saying <laughs> they do a great job. And I think they do a very good job. But what they you're do. saying is true, though, because you know, this 17th year, you don't have a football player playing 17 years. Right, you, you know, um, and yes, you do notice that they are not running down the field quite as quickly as the players do. That's you know, right. they they got to catch up, so they're spotting the ball where they think it might have been and everything. So yeah, no, that's interesting. What do you do to help the officials? Yeah. You know, and may, and maybe it uh, uh, there's more replays from the booth as a, as opposed to the coach throwing the flag, and and possibly you know a more. Uh, more referees on the field possibly because right. you know things are so quick now it used to be one referee behind the middle linebacker now there's two you know because you can't see if a guy's holding on the right versus right the so you know with the speed of the game and the talent of the players I, I, I do believe that they might have to increase the number of referees just to keep the game under control yeah yeah all right man well we got to leave it there that's something we could bring up later we are out of time yeah. He's Larry Mallory. I'm Scott Farber, and we'll see you next time. Oh, and also, and he is uh, Scott.
<laughs> Our trivia right. expert. 